Good morning. He is risen. Some of y'all are like, what just happened? Listen, if you're new to church, I trust, trust me, this is not, it's not a cult, okay? Um, when, you're in, when you're in a place and suddenly everyone is saying something at the same time, the same, like everyone knows what's going on and you're like, what, what, why is everyone speaking? Um, that's, Stephen mentioned it's a traditional greeting on Easter, don't worry, I know it's a little weird, we only do it once a year, so... Um, the Lord's Prayer thing, now I can't, we do that every week, but you know, that's, a, that's another one where all of a sudden everyone just starts talking and you're like, why did everyone start talking? Well, in, in a lot of Christian traditions, when you hear the words, um, as Jesus taught us to pray, that's the clue, okay? So if you're here again or you're at another church and, and people start doing it, you know what's happening around you is not bizarro land, that's the cue for Christians to begin praying the Lord's Prayer, um, I know that's a little strange for, for many of us. Um, if, you, if you've got a Bible, we're only going to be in one verse today, so you don't have to have it open, though I, I'm always a big fan of having it there because I just need you all to know that this is not something I'm making up. Uh, my name is Rick. I'm the pastor here, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, if you're new to UPC, you're not going to notice anything different, but if you've been around, this, this will be just slightly different than what you're used to. I just want to let you know that. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to get started, okay? Jesus, uh, we come to you as our resurrected King, the one who brings us into the presence of the Father by the power of the Spirit. There are tons of reasons why we're in this place today. Some of us are here because this is the, the time that we are eagerly awaiting. Others of us are here because someone invited us and promised us lunch afterwards, some of us are here uh, because this is the one thing we do for mom and dad or grandma and granddad every year, um, and it keeps the money flowing. So we, there are a bunch of reasons, but we, are, uh, we, we all are in the same place. We all need you. And so we pray, Jesus, that you would meet us, you would open our hearts, that you would move in our cynicism and our boredom show us yourself, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. It's Easter. Duh. Easter. Easter's a great day to be a pastor. Um, it's, it's one of those days that's a lot like, uh, you, you get to give the best news in the world. It's like uh, being a doctor who gets to come and say the cancer's gone. It's like, um, it, it's like being the uh, UPS guy who gets to deliver the, the college acceptance letter, right? You, like you're giving the cool news, um, but if I'm being honest with you, though this is the Christian Super Bowl, um, some of us, maybe you're like me this year, I, I'm struggling to feel it. Just having a hard time. I don't know whether that's, this is a new place, and because it's a new place, and you know, we just got here a few months ago, and like you're just running or whatever. I don't know just having a hard time with it. And if you're a churchgoer, you're not supposed to be able to say that, right? It's like, it's Easter, man. Like, this is the day we're supposed to, yeah, this is great. I mean, but look, it's really easy to get pumped up for Christmas because we have, at least from Black Friday on, 
to begin thinking about things, if not before that. And, and the, then there's the Hallmark movies, and there's all the sentimentality, and everything pushes us towards, towards Silent Night, Holy Night, the day before, and then Christmas Day, it's like, ah, and then we sleep for three days. So we're, we're very familiar with what it means to, to be a Christian at Christmas, but sometimes at Easter, it's like, I know I'm supposed to be excited, I know the lilies are a big deal, but man, it's hard. And it's hard, I think, a lot of times because we find ourselves wondering, like, why this? You ever wonder that? I mean, who really cares about this whole thing we're doing right now? I mean, I, mean, I know, I know, like, Jesus rose from the dead. It, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. But how does a seemingly random event that happened 2,000 years ago to a 30-year-old Middle Eastern dude, what does that have to do with me? Whether or not you're a Christian, we can tend to view Jesus' resurrection as like this weird event that either has relevance to us theoretically, like, or I know it should, but doesn't really move anything. So who cares? Well, you know, obviously, because I've been wrestling with this, I've been thinking about it um, this week and um, praying about it. And, and here's, here's what I'd say. Understanding the resurrection, understanding the resurrection of Jesus can, can, doesn't necessarily have to because that's what we do with it, right? But it can make a difference in your life because the resurrection tells you and tells me, tells us that the work to be done is already finished. It tells us the work to be done is already finished, okay? Now, let me, let me talk about this in terms of first the work to be done. Every worldview, and by worldview, I mean um, there, every, everybody on the planet has a particular lens through which we view the world, and every worldview answers several questions. The first, who are we? Where do we come from? Second, what's wrong? Because everyone on the planet, I don't really care what your belief system, we all know something's not right, right? All of us do. Something's not right. So who are we? Where do we come from? What's wrong how do we fix it, right? How do we fix it? Where are we headed and where are we at in that process? Like those are the questions that we all ask, whether you are a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're Buddhist, whether you are um, a, 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 you know, a pure materialist or a humanist, like we all have those questions that we answer. And most of us, if we're coming from a religious background, whether, again, no matter which kind of religious background that is, and I think that's more, it's not just those of us in a religious background, but we'll, we'll just say those of us in a religious background for now. We tend to think that what is who we are, well, we're human, we get that, okay? What's wrong? Ah, it, it's some measure of we're not good enough, right? We need to be better. And some of us look at it and it's like, yeah, I know I'm not the greatest person, but I'm, I'm trying to be better. Or I know that I have failed my, my deity and I'm trying to follow the path or what have you. And we all tend to find it in this concept of morality, right? The work we think we need to do with God, if he exists, is moral. And, and when I say that, some of us in the room are thinking, well, that may have been true at a time, but kids these days. Right? Like they all given up on morality. No, 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 they haven't. They've shifted the morality. That's different. 
right? Traditional morality finds its, and, and some of you know, because you were raised in homes like this, and it bugged the tar out of you, um, where it seems to be the worst possible things in the world have to do with sex and substances, right? It has to do with, with um, who you're sleeping with, and it has to do with what you're putting in your body, especially when it regards to alcohol, drugs, those kind of things. And we major on those things in the traditional morality. But then in a more contemporary, I'll just say contemporary, those things, sex and substance, aren't as big a deal. Now we're more into um, economics and ecology. It's not so much what we put into our bodies as it is um, where we put our money. It's not so much um, who we're sleeping with as it is where, how we're caring for our environment. They're not, one is not morality and the other is immorality. They're both moralities. They're just different moralities. And they both, by them both, we tend to judge how good we are. Am I a good person? Am I a caring person? But here's the problem. Whether you're traditional or whether you're more contemporary in your leanings morality-wise, none of us are very consistent with them. Right? We all play pixie-choosies. We all love to play pixie-choosies with things. Like we pick the things that, that seem to be the most important to us, or rather, not even just the things that are most important to us, the things that we tend to do well at, right? The things that we tend to do well at, and the things that we don't, well, they're not as important, but even when we pick the things we do well at, we can't seem to get it right all the time. So yeah, yes, I, keeping my nose clean, I am not uh, finding myself in compromising sexual positions. Well, Jesus said this thing about lust in your heart. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, well, I mean, if you're going to go there. Or yeah, I, I, it, is, it is the moral imperative to care for the poor. What, what do you mean what, with my money? No, no, no. Well, not with, not, no, no, that's for, I mean, I don't have the money to do that. See, what we do is we tend to like make excuses for ourselves, and then what happens is we go in one of three ways, and maybe these are familiar to you, maybe they're not, but these are the directions we go. We either become hiders, we become blamers, or we become strivers. Here's what I mean, hiders. If you're a hider, you're like me. What that means is we tend to know that we are inconsistent, we know that we don't do the things we say we are really important, we know that we don't keep the rules that we think are great, but we just don't want anyone to see it. We cover it up. We talk to people like this. Well, yeah, I used to deal with this. I mean, nah, so glad that's out of my life. We, we don't really open up to what people are, other people in our lives. We don't want them to know us. We're afraid of what will happen if they know that we're as inconsistent as we know we are. And so we just hide. We hide from people. Internally, we're a train wreck. Externally, we clean up great, especially on Easter. Others of us are blamers, and blamers are those for whom, and, and you know this, and those of you who are around blamers, you know because it bugs you. Others of you who are a blamer, you bug people. I'm just, <laughs> I love you. You bug people. Because nothing is ever your fault. You come in, maybe you're coming, driving home from work, you've got young kids, let's say. You've got young kids, you're driving home from work, and you come in, and they meet you at the door, and you just, ah! and then you go, it's not, you don't understand the day I've had, and the people who cut me off in traffic, I hate Florida drivers, and blah, blah, blah. Not my fault. 
Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. Okay, listen. Did I fudge the numbers on that report? Listen, you don't understand. I've been under a ton of stress. Sometimes things happen. It's not my fault. This person gave me bad data. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know what? You know, you really should go take this up with so-and-so. It's never our fault. We know. We know it is, but we don't want other people. So what we do is we deflect. We keep it off of us. Because so long as it's off of us, if it's on somebody else, I mean, that's their problem. But it's not on me. Right? So we're hiders, we're blamers. And then there are the strivers among us. The strivers among us. These are, these are y'all type A folks, right? For whom, when you know that there's something you need to do, like you work your tail off to get there. And man, you know what? You know you're not consistent with it, but you're way better than Brad. You know, like you do really well. You're doing all right. Sorry, Brad. You're doing all right. <laughs> Brad's like, what did I do? I'm sorry. And, and as you're striving, you see people who aren't working as hard as you, and things seem to be going well for them, and it makes you angry, right? Strivers. Hiders, blamers, and strivers. But we all do that in a response to the sense that something is not right, something is wrong with me, and I need to be better. And how do I be? There are a bunch of different ways we do that, but how we deal with the fact that we don't do it right is we do those things. But here's the problem. I know all of us think that what we're supposed to do is make ourselves better. I know this, but the problem is the Bible, if, look, you're here in a Christian church this morning, and you don't have to believe a lick of what I'm saying, but as you're here, I want you just to understand what we would say, right? The Bible actually paints a completely different picture from that. It answers these questions of who are we and what's wrong and all this. It answers them completely different. See, first and foremost, it answers who we are by saying we're created by God. We're created with dignity, to be in his image, to be in a dependent relationship with him. What does that mean? It means God, we believe, is the source of all life, all hope, all meaning, all value, everything. He is, he is the only independent creature in all of creation, the only one who doesn't need anything. And he created us not to just kind of like spin the top and then let us go. He created us to be in relationship with him. How do we know this? Well, even one of the things when we're stuck in our morality and stuck in our, like, I have to be better. Someone during Jesus' day was stuck there too, and he asked Jesus, he said, what's the greatest of the commandments? And most of the time they were trying to trap him. But I can also see that somebody, that, that was probably an honest question. Because don't we want to know that? I can't get them all. So can you just give, what's the most important? And Jesus, he's like, all right, I got you one. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all of your being. And now, the person in the time is thinking like, Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe you're thinking this too. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Love? How am I supposed to do that? Like, I, th- this is breaking this whole contractual thing I have going on. I want to know what I'm supposed to do to get, get in good. I want to know how I'm supposed to be to get in good. And you're telling me love? I want the checklist here. Give me the rules that will work, not love. I don't know what to do with that. It's like you go to buy a house and it's like, here's the house. Now all you have to do is love your bank. How do I know if I'm doing it? What am I, how do I love my bank? I don't know. 
Sorry if you work for a bank. The point is, is this. Jesus, they're coming to Jesus with what are the rules, and Jesus is saying, you're not understanding, it's about a relationship. You're supposed to be in relationship with God and to love him with all of your being. Because that's what we were made for. But the problem is, the problem is, something has happened. And don't get me wrong, the Bible does give us a morality. I'm not stupid. I've read the book. Like, I get it. But that's secondary to this other thing, okay? What God wants is quite different. We were made for a dependent relationship with God. But the place we're in the story is different because right at the beginning, we decided, because we believed a lie, the lie that we believed was God's not for us, he's actually out to get us, and he can't be trusted. And so therefore, we turned away from him, made for dependence, decided, I can't, I can't be dependent on you. You're not trustworthy. I'm not sure what you're going to do with me. Therefore, I need to be independent and do my own thing, decide my own meaning, decide my own value, my own morality, my own, my own, my own. And when we did that, several things happened. First and foremost, we became guilty. And for those of us in the room who hate the idea of guilt when it comes to God, Listen, you know that all betrayals bring guilt. You've done the betraying. You've been betrayed. You know how it works. If God's a person and you betray a person, there's going to be things like that, okay? But the other thing that happened was we became bent away from him. Uh, Now, instead of having to be convinced of a lie, we believe it uh, like as an automatic. We assume it. Because trust me, there's no one here in this room that I have to kind of whisper in the ear of, you know, maybe God's not really out for your good. You believe that. Everyone's saying we're about to get in a recession. Some people say we're already there. What's going to happen to my bank account? What's going to happen to my job? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be able to feed my family? Am I going to be able to do this? I don't know if I can trust God to take care of me. I know he says, he says, you know, don't worry about the clothes or what you're going to eat, blah, blah, blah. But I don't I might have to figure this out myself. I know everyone says God has a plan for me and God's got somebody for me. And I, I know I've prayed all the time to God to, to, for God to give me a spouse. But, you know, I'm, the clock is ticking here and I'm waiting. And I don't know, maybe I'm going to have to figure it out myself. Right? We don't have to be fooled into that anymore. It's just what we believe. So we're stuck in our independence. And being stuck in our independence, uh, that flavors how we view Jesus, right? That's why most of us in this room, Christian or not, frankly, when we're faced with the fact that, um, we're faced with the fact that there's something that God might want and something that God, with who we are and who God is, and then we think about Jesus, we go, okay, so what I need to do is I need to follow what Jesus said. That's our strivers. Or I'm going to need to take a little time to wipe some things down first, to get cleaned off before I can go to him because I'm just, I've been hiding some stuff. I've been shifting blame from some stuff, right? Here's the crazy thing about that, and I do mean crazy. And I know that for many of us, everything I just said is like, well, that's what Christianity is, Rick. That's following what Jesus said, kind of getting yourself right, isn't that? Here's the crazy thing about that. If we're made for dependence on God, and God, what God wants is dependence, 
how are we going to make it better with him by getting ourselves right independently? How are we going to make dependence, a dependence problem better independently? You can't, makes no sense. It's crazy town. You can't independently do the work that God requires if what he requires is dependence, can you? And that's why God's rescue plan is Jesus. This is the difference right here. If you're here this morning and you're like, I, you know, again, I'm not sure about any of this. Listen, this is the difference between what Christianity says and everything else. And I know, like, that's a bold claim, Rick. Like, look, I, my undergraduate was in uh, uh, comparative religions. I, I actually have studied some of these things. But everything else gives you a path to follow. Some path to follow. You have, you have a, a person who's given rules. Maybe he got those rules from God. You know, maybe that's part of the thing. But he's given these rules. Here's what God expects. Follow these pillars. Go down the tenfold path. Go on all these things. Get these things done. And then you're going to be okay. And most of us think that that is what Christianity is saying too. But it's not. Because in Christianity, it's not about what Jesus said. It's about what he did. Okay? So if you have your Bibles open, don't worry about it if you don't. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. And I'm going to start with a few words right before that. This is written by this early Christian leader named Paul. And, and he wrote this. Um, sorry, that's Galatians chapter 4. Ooh, that would have been different. All right, <laughs> Romans chapter 4. It says, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Okay, first, delivered up. What does that mean? Delivered up means to be handed over. It means to, to um, it, it's generally a bad thing. Right? When you're delivered up, when you're handed over, it's not for something pleasant, generally. And our trespasses, trespasses means the, the intentional things that we have done that have broken relationship with God through our intentional fault. In other words, our betrayal. Jesus was delivered over for our betrayal, our betrayal of God. That all of us do. He's delivered over for that. And so here's the thing. When we broke relationship with God and that guilt came on, that guilt God called death. And there's a physical aspect to that. There is physical death, yes. Result of sin, result of the fall, yes. But there was also another part of that. Being separated, being, being, uh, bearing the weight of our betrayal of God forever. That's what the Bible calls hell. And so for Jesus to be delivered up for our trespasses means that when he hung on that cross between heaven and earth, just rejected by both, he was bearing for his people, he was bearing for us the, the, the weight of our betrayal. That's what Good Friday is about, right? When, when we talked about that, if you were here for our Good Friday service, there's this like point in the service, which is readings and Music. There's a point in the service where the congregation um, is part of the readings. They respond as, as uh, that crowd that was crying out to crucify Jesus. Because we rejected him too. But then, though he was delivered over for our trespasses, Paul says he was raised for our justification. All right, finally, Rick, we get to the resurrection. It is Easter after all. Well, that word justification, it's a really technical churchy term. It means being in the right. 
means being in the right, okay? Being made right, being made right with God. So how does that work? I mean, God could just say, well, whatever, okay, oh, look, Jesus died, whatever about sin now, I'm good. That's not the way this thing works, right? That's not the way a relationship works. So how, if this is a relationship, how does this work? Well, it has to do with the fact that, yes, Jesus, when he died on the cross, went to the cross as a guilty person, which is weird because he didn't do anything wrong. But both parties involved, there, there are two major parties involved, right? The first, primarily, is God. And we've already talked about that. Delivered for our trespasses. Okay? The second, of course, was Rome. And Rome's uh, reason for killing Jesus had to do with the sign that was above his head. King of the Jews. Made a false claim. He died for making a false claim. And then, on Sunday morning, God raised him from the dead. Which means that, for the Romans, nope, he is king. You said he was guilty, I say he's innocent, because he is king. You think he's a false king, he's not, he's a real king. But not just that, he died for our trespasses. But if death is a consequence of sin, Jesus had no sin. So death could not hold him because death had no claim on him. He was not guilty, and he was raised as being not guilty. So the, the, the logic in this is that the resurrection is about the fact that he is, he is not guilty of either of the things that he was convicted for, that he was killed for. He's not guilty of sin. He's not guilty for a false claim of being a false king. It is both God's not guilty verdict and his declaration that sin has been dealt with. But here's the thing. That is all theory. Great, Rick. Good for Jesus. What about me? What does that have to do with me? So now what do I do? Well, it's when we talk about this in, in the Christian faith, we talk about faith in Jesus. And faith in Jesus, you've heard me say this if you've been here. If not, you're about to. Faith in Jesus is about the fact that we place our faith in him and we are united in him. What is true of him becomes true of us. He died for sin. Our sin is has been dealt with. He was raised justified, not guilty, so are we. That's what it is. See, and this is again where it becomes different. It's not about what we do. It's about what he has done. It's not about following a ruler. It's not about following a rule. It's about trusting in him. The problem is, is that a lot of us, Christian or not, we have a lot of knowledge about Jesus. Some of us in this room have been going to church for as long as we can remember. We did all the Sunday school stars. We got the, the perfect thing. We've done the, the Christianized version of Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. We, we did all the things. We've been to every VBS. Perfect attendance. We can recite catechism questions. We know all the answers at Bible study. People don't like being in Bible study with us because we answer all the questions. So when there's a question asked, everyone just waits and they look at you. Go ahead, you know. We know all of that, but we don't really know Jesus. 
because I can know an awful lot about this chair. It's got four legs, good padding. I can lean back in it. It's going to hold me. I'm a pretty big guy. It's sturdy enough that I would bet that I could sit on it and probably put two, three, maybe even all four of my kids on my lap, and they're, they're young men, young women. I know that's a good chair, and I have no faith in it because I do not have faith in this until I actually sit in it. You can know a lot about Jesus and have no faith in Jesus until you're willing to put all of your weight on him. Until you're willing to say, I have no other option. There's nothing else I can do. It's all him or it's nothing at all. So how do we respond? Well, if you're here this morning and your life has been characterized by hiding, blaming, and striving, can I ask you something? Aren't you tired? I know what it's like to spend most of your life hiding. I guess at this point in my life, it's no longer most of my life, but it was a lot of my life. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired always worrying that someone's going to find out? That you're not who you say you are? You're not as good as you say you are. You're not as clean as you say you are. But you actually blow it a lot. Are you tired of wondering what it's going to be like when someone finds out what they're going to do with you? I bet you are. If you're a blamer, you know how hard it must be? It's got to be hard. Because I know that you don't blame because you think you're the greatest thing ever. I know you blame because you're terrified that you're the worst. And you just don't know what will happen when everybody else knows that you're the worst. You learned. I don't know where. Maybe it was in your home. Maybe it was in school. You just learned that the worst, they, they, they get abandoned. You don't want that. Aren't you tired? And if you're a striver, whew, man, it's hard. How much is enough? How much till you know that you've done enough? What, would it, what might it be like to not get angry when someone else seems to succeed and you know they're not working as hard as you? How long are you going to have to hide? How long are you going to have to blame? How long are you going to have to work to make it up? Let me tell you something. God's not asking you to. Look back at that verse in verse 25. Placing our faith in Jesus is about returning to dependence. It is about repenting of our attempts to make things right and simply depending on him. And so if you're here this morning and that's the first time you've ever heard that that's what Christianity is, I am sorry. Because you have been told the wrong thing for a lot of years. Christianity is not about what you do. It's about what you do with what Jesus has done. Will you trust him?
We rest on him. Now, if, if you are a Christian this morning, the temptation is to, right now is to think that this doesn't much apply to you. I know. I mean, it's an Easter sermon, right? Easter sermons are for the people you bring with you. Not for you, right? The person with you is like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Christian. Where do you go when you blow it? Let's not pretend you don't. Okay? You can save that for some other time. You can hide or blame or whatever later. For right now, what do you do when you blow it? Where do you look? Because you see, for some reason, we're fine accepting this at first. We're fine with this. We go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I place, put myself in the seat. I'm good. Dressed on Jesus. He takes my, my, my uh, you know, piece of paper filled up with my stuff. He erases it, hands it back to me. And now it's clean. And look at that. Isn't it great? Until we fill it up again. And then we're left with a choice. Okay, then now what do I do with it? Do I go back to my hiding? Maybe I go back to my blaming. Maybe I go back to my striving. Do you understand that this is why everyone believes we're hypocrites? This is it. I see you. Some of y'all are nodding. I know. I know this is why you think we're hypocrites. Because when we blow it, we start hiding again. When we blow it, we start blame shifting again. We talk about Jesus. Look, some of y'all, some of us, this, this is why some of our kids are so upset at us. Because what we presented was like, yes, I need Jesus in theory. Yes, everyone needs grace in theory. You need grace because you're bad. I need grace in theory. So I'm gonna, now I'm going to work harder. I'm going to hide from you what I do. I'm going to shift blame. This is why some of our coworkers are like, this guy says he's a Christian, but I, I guess all that means is you're supposed to be good, but I can see that he's not. I can see that he's inconsistent. I can see that she says one thing and does something else. I can see blah, blah, blah. Yeah? We work really hard to keep the rules that, we, that most resonate with us. And our, and our kids and our coworkers and our neighbors, they can tell it's all baloney. That it's all baloney. So if you're a Christian, I need you to listen to me really close, really quick. In Romans 4, this verse, this one verse, there are two words that are in the past tense. Delivered and raised. Your transgressions are gone. You have been justified. Do you think Jesus didn't know what you're going to do this afternoon? Like I see all y'all young parents, kids all spiffy. Did you think that Jesus did not know that you're going to be screaming at them in about 30 minutes to, to get that picture taken. <laughs> Older folks, you don't get out of it. You think Jesus didn't know that you're going to be judging your kids as they scream at your grandkids? <laughs> of course he knew. You think Jesus didn't know that tonight, on Easter of all days, you're going to be heading to a website that you know you shouldn't be going to? On all, 
on Easter. And you're going to sit there after you're done and go like, what was I thinking? It's Easter. I'm so terrible. Jesus didn't know. He's like, whoa, pulled that one over on me. Didn't see that coming. Good thing you had the lights turned out. Like, and now all of a sudden it's back up to you? If your problem before becoming a Christian was independence, it didn't change now. Just return to him. Just come and receive his grace. And if you're like, I'm not sure it's going to be there this time, the Apostle Paul would say, look at the tomb. It's empty. There's nothing in there. Why? Because he was raised for your justification. You're like, Rick, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. And frankly, I don't care. Because I know what Jesus did. You're focusing on the wrong thing. He's not, listen, this is not to say that Jesus is not into us changing. What I'm saying is, he is into changing us. Stop thinking that it all comes back to you. Look to him. Just look to that empty tomb. Yes, I blew it. But you know what? He was delivered from my transgressions, even that one, and he was raised for my justification so I can come to my God boldly, boldly, without trying to crawl on the ground or think I'm a worm. I can come to him boldly and say, no, I don't deserve to be in your presence, but I never did. Thank you that you've loved me. You've given yourself for me. This is the difference between Christianity and every other worldview. It's not about you. Hallelujah. It's not about you. It's not about me. If it is, we are doomed. It's about Jesus. It's not about his teachings. It's not about rituals. It's about Jesus. So who cares about the resurrection? Gosh, my greatest hope for all of us is that we do. So that when we get that stark glimpse of who we are, and it does come, sometimes out of left field, we can look into the tomb and remember that the work to be done is already finished. Do you pray with me? Lord, convince us of this. Whether we're Christians or not, some of us are in this room, we don't, we don't believe a lick of what I just said, and so I just ask that you would work in our hearts to create faith as you did in mine those years ago. When I listened to a guy, and I didn't believe a lick of what he was saying either. For others of us, Lord, who are believers, and we just, we are convinced, nope, nope, gotta hide, gotta blame, gotta strive. Lord, convince us, convince us of how good your work is, how loving you are, how finished it all is, so that we can rest and rejoice on this of all days. The work that needs to be done has been finished. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.